Coming up on today's episode, we recap the Jets' big dub over the Avs, including what this means for Winnipeg's chances this year, plus a shakeup on the team's blue line. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's ride the Gus bus right on into the weekend. The Winnipeg Jets taking down the Avs in Colorado and doing it resoundingly and doing it in style as well. What a game and we'll break it all down for you guys as well as some other little bits of news and notes over the last couple of days from Jets land that we got to get to maybe even some prospect talk as well I saw some uh some interesting numbers from the future potentially of the Winnipeg Jets so maybe if we got time we'll dive into that as well but of course the majority of uh today's episode will be about the big 4-2 victory for the Jets over the Avs in Colorado Thursday night joining me to break it down once again CJOB's Tyson Rewicki is here with us. Tyson, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. Big Jets win. Then tomorrow I'm heading heading to 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 watch my Nashville Predators beat the Leafs. Heading to Otani Land. <laughs> oh yeah. That's I mean, well, we gotta just mention this quickly. How crazy is it that Rogers is actually thinking, like, hey, let's just scrap this NHL, this NHL contract and put all that money into Otani. That's I I don't normally like anything Rogers does, but that is an all-time move. Well, I mean, people will know that I have a uh let's go with a certain thought process about <laughs> media companies in this country. <laughs> so I, you know, I'll I'll bite my tongue a little bit on this one. <laughs> But I will say money well spent if that gets Otani here to Toronto. <laughs> I'm buying a Jays jersey immediately. I mean, it's super cool. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. It's just wild that the Blue Jays are just legitimately factors in in uh, in the Otani sweepstakes right now. But um, guess what, Tice? This ain't a Jays podcast. It's a Jets podcast, and we've got some exciting stuff to talk about here because of that win against Colorado. It tightens up up there at the top of the Central Division yet again. Three straight wins for the Jets, and they're now just a couple of points back of Colorado for first in the division. Dallas is right there as well. So let's break down the action in this one. A pretty tight game throughout. But I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit here because normally when we break down a game that just happened, we kind of look at it from the Jets' perspective, right? Like, okay, which Jets stood out? What was the positives? What were the negatives of the game? Things like that. To me, the biggest story, Tyson, isn't even anything that the Jets necessarily did in this game. And I thought the Jets played a real, you know, get your get your grandpappy happy type of road game. Like, that's just a veteran get your two points and get it on a town game by the by the club there. But to me, the big story is... Winnipeg, they've they've got a chance this year in the Central. Like, this is not the same Colorado team 
that won the Stanley Cup two seasons ago. There is talent and high, high, high end talent there. Dude, do not get me wrong whatsoever. And, you know, probably still the best blue line in all of hockey. But Colorado's gettable. Like, they, I don't know. I was not really impressed with the avalanche in this one, Tyson. I mean, McKinnon and McCard ranted and did their thing most of the night. But, man, you used to go into Colorado these past couple of seasons, and it would be wave after wave after wave of relentless attack. And it just felt like you were, right, like you're just trying not to get drowned by the tide that keeps rolling in. It's just a difficult, difficult place to play over the last few seasons. That wasn't the case today. And there was nobody that stood out. I I legitimately, I haven't checked the timesheet. I don't know if Ryan Johansson played in that game or not. I hope for his sake that he didn't. That's a very good point because I completely (laughs) forgot he played for that. I got to check that out. Um, But, man, the cupboards are bare up front for Colorado right now. They made some bets in the offseason, and they haven't panned out through 25 games so far. But watching the Jets play the way that they did and the way that they have all season long, I don't know, maybe it's recency bias. Maybe I'm just like in a bit of a NyQuil-fused haze right now. But, man, the, the Jets can take it this year in the in the Central. I know Dallas is great, but, like, the teams aren't as good as they used to be, and that's massive for Winnipeg being way above what we thought going into the season. But I, I, I just, I don't know. I stepped away from that game going, yeah, this ain't, Nazem Kadri and the Avalanche a few years back. If the Jets went into a playoff series against Colorado, ah, the Jets might be favored. Like I don't know. It's it's pretty tight. It's pretty wild that that we're at this point right now. Before I dive into that, because you made a bunch of good points there, but Ryan Johansson played twelve minutes and twenty three seconds, one shot, one block, minus one. Did not notice or don't don't remember that shot happening, but. You mentioned that the the central is really gettable, and that Colorado hasn't really looked like the team that they have in the past. And I and I agree with that. But I also wonder too if that maybe this Jets team is just a neutralizer. That they like they have an ability to to go up against other teams' top players and give them, you know, you know like sometimes there's teams there's games where superstars come in and they just roll over a team and dominate. And even like the game against Edmonton. And, and tonight against Colorado, too, like they're going to have those shifts where those kind of players are going to have those shifts where they dominate a shift and they have prolonged ozone possession time. But for the most part, I thought the Jets did a pretty decent job of handling McKinnon's line. And they're even overloading it because at the beginning of the game, Ranton wasn't starting with McKinnon. And then as the game got, went on, they weren't really generating enough chances. So they ended up putting that those two back together. But the Jets are just really good at neutralizing these other teams' opponents. And I think, especially since Rick Bonus has come back behind the bench, I don't know if this is these necessarily correlate together, but I feel like they're D zone in front of the net and these D play on second chance opportunities has been really much improved over the last couple of games. And I think that's kind of been part of the problem that's plagued this Jets team in a couple of games. I mean, they had the one goal where there was a where McKinnon makes a great drive, makes a great move, drives to the net one timer in front. That I guess you could classify that as like a net front goal, but I, I think that they've done a really good job at not letting those second and third chance opportunities get to Hellebuck. And because at that point, Hellebuck's going to make 90% of those, sorry, 
394% of those first chance opportunities. Yeah. Even, <laughs> great. yeah, better not be 90%. <laughs> but just even in the first, I, Colorado was buzzing in the first couple minutes. They were getting those rushes off. They were getting those chances off the rushes. Really good shots, but it was just the one shot and the puck was cleared out. And I think that we're starting to see that this Jets team, they, they're just playing more like a team too. And I look to that that Morrissey goal especially where it starts off with the Gabe Velarde play in the D zone. That's a really actually crafty stick play to get to knock the puck free and get possession of it right away. And that just sparks the rush. Morrissey brings the puck in that and it doesn't really, it's not crazy, but the way Nino is able to open himself up for the, for the pass and still be able to, to make the smart play there. Like this team is just making the right play a lot of the time, whether it's in the D zone, the O zone. And I just think that, this they're a team this year that's the difference and even you, you go and look at we were kind of worried that maybe Pierre Luc Dubois would go into LA and kind of be a force there and LA has been a force but Dubois has got 11 points in 23 games like he's done it's you're you could have gotten addition by subtraction honestly if you yeah. just got rid of him and picked up prospects and picks but getting those two players that are helping in the lineup right now I think it's massive and I I I agree with you. I think the Jets are favored against Dallas, or sorry, against Colorado. And if they're in a series against Dallas, I think we're looking at a pick them, especially the way. Yeah, like that. That one is. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 cool with Dallas being the favorite in that series. I'm I'm not going to say the Jets are. I mean, Dallas has kind of not owned them so far this year, but I mean, I think there's been a they've been separation between the two teams. But but it would be like I don't know, fifty five, forty five. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And Dallas, even the last couple of games, have kind of been showing a little bit of. Nah, I'm trying to find the right phrase to use here, but just they they haven't been that team that we saw earlier in the season. And so I think you're starting to see some holes. Meanwhile, I feel like the Jets have continued their play throughout the season. I think they've played a very consistent level of hockey throughout the year. They've had some some not up to par games, but I mean, every team's going to have that. Yeah, no, I mean that that's the thing. It's Part of the equation is obviously Colorado doing their thing, but I mean a big part of it is that Winnipeg just uh, they're they're just blowing everyone's expectations out of the water, right? Like even the most optimistic person going into this year, like yeah, you might be like third in the Central, but still well back of Colorado and Dallas, and you know battling with maybe a Minnesota or something for that third spot in the division. But it feels like at this point the Jets are kind of unlucky to only be in third right now. So it's going to be fascinating to see how the rest of this season plays out. And especially like looking at this from a Colorado standpoint, I mean, even in this game, Tyson, there, and, and this, I'm not making this up, but Jonathan Drouin played 25 minutes in this hockey game. Branton and played 27. McKinnon played 25. I mean, Logan O'Connor played 20 minutes. Like they're, they're leaning so heavily on their, quote-unquote top guys uh but like when you're giving you know joanne who i i i messed up that prediction uh but like joanne and o'connor getting 20 plus minutes like that that never would have happened two years ago right like that it's it's a completely different colorado team right now now i'm fascinated like i said earlier to see what happens over the course of the season because like i think colorado if they want to make a deep run needs to make a massive splash like not just uh let's pick up some spare pieces here. It's we gotta find an impact forward and, and, and get him in here really quick. Now, to be fair, I guess you know they did miss N- N- Nachushkin in this game. And Lacking. I mean Landeskog's status is 
is, I mean, who knows what it is at this point. Maybe he's a, a playoff addition for them too, right? So, you know, the, there's that to be taken into account as well. But I, I don't know if that solves all of the problems that that are there for Colorado right now, especially down the middle after Nathan McKinnon. Like, they do not have their Nazem Kadri just yet. If they get him, then I'm scared. <laughs> but as it stands right now, like, if, if they aren't able to find that guy, I, I kind of like Winnipeg at this point. It's I, I never thought in a million years I would have said that this season, but I wonder if everybody else is kind of feeling the same thing right now. Like, hey, we can we can go toe-to-toe with Colorado. If we got to face Dallas, then we'll see how that one plays out there against the old man out there in, in Texas. And, you know, maybe you get a a little bit lucky and then the the wheels start to fall off for for an older team over there and who knows after that but it's yeah it's it's hard not to get excited at this point dice 25 games in the books right now i mean at the very least the jets are right there with the tops in 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 the division there maybe a little bit of ways to go to catch vegas and um maybe even la at this point with how well they've played as of late but as far as divisional matchups go you could make a very compelling case to put the Winnipeg Jets at number two in the power rankings in the central, maybe just behind the Dallas stars right now. Um, But let's talk about the game itself. I mean, a tremendous effort, you know, special teams was great mainly because the power play didn't have to go out there and, you know, kill any momentum or anything like that. But the penalty kill was, you know, probably the reason the Jets were able to avoid going to overtime in this one. I mean, you kill off four, a pretty extended five on three as well in the third period, which that might've sealed the game for them right there. So, I mean, massive effort as far as the, uh, the special teams goes for the jets in this one, but and not that the, the Shifley line was bad or anything, but this was, this was the bottom six game for Winnipeg. And I know, I don't believe they got on the score sheet. I, I might be wrong, Tice, but that fourth line was just kick ass. Yeah, like here we go. <laughs> like, let's stick that to my veins, and then let's kickstart Friday morning here. And I would agree with Dan Robertson, who said this at at some point during the second half of the game. It was Gustafson's best game as a Winnipeg Jet. I mean, he he was fantastic, and and he was a beast. And you know, Lowry scores that backbreaker near the end of the first period. I, I thought the the bottom six you know, looking for a first star on the night. I know it's not an individual or anything like that, but the bottom six, I thought, you know, carried the mail for the Jets in this one. I don't know if you saw the same thing. No, I, I totally agree. And then even, I mean, you don't have the line matching abilities, but those shifts where Lowry, the Lowry line was up against McKinnon, I thought they did a, a good job. Like, Lowry has that, he just has that kind of it factor of getting under player skins. Like, you know, for for you and me, you remember like Couturier going up against Malkin. And you just see the frustration oozing, oozing, oozing throughout the game. And I, Lowry has that effect Hashtag on <laughs> Lowry has that effect on on the other team star players. And you mentioned Gus; uh, he was unbelievable. One of one, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, one of his best games as a, as a Winnipeg Jet, like you mentioned. And I also think it's crazy that Axel Janssen Fialbi is like this team's fifteenth best forward. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's he's a, he's an NHL player. He's he's also like. Every time he comes into the lineup, he just injects that that speed, that so that, much energy. Yeah, he, he's like he's kind of like Carl Hagelin light in a way. You know what I mean? Like he's got just that that ball of speed that get that's able to just 
you dump the puck in, he's probably going to be one of the first guys in. And they just played how fourth line should play. And I thought Morgan Barron too, he's really starting. I think, I think he's getting a little bit more confident too. You could tell after that goal against uh, Chicago, yeah, yeah. He's, he's kind of starting to feel the puck a little bit better. So, I mean, that's what you need to win against these top teams. You need, obviously, Shifley's line is going to get theirs, but you need your bottom six to supplement them. And they have been. Yeah, no, I mean, really the only, I thought, subpar line for the team in the night was the uh, perfetti Velardi Iafalo trio. I wonder how long those three stay together. Or at the very, like, Iafalo's kind of fallen off a little bit in terms of, effectiveness over the last little while so i mean yeah i wonder how the jets go about that especially because like connor shafley ehlers have been playing pretty damn strong over the last week or so as well so i yeah i wonder how it plays out there but i mean this team is they're deep up front you're right if if johnson fialbi is your like third or fourth call up and not even getting into what some of the guys are doing with the moose right now as well i mean the, the jets as far as organizational depth are absolutely set. You know who else had a good game? I thought. Who? We like. Was there anybody that stood out to you? I because there's someone that I, I was impressed. I, I thought Appleton had a pretty. No, solid you're game. wrong. Wrong. <laughs> um, he, he was good. Uh, Logan Stanley, I thought had a good game. I, I thought that. Was, I mean, definitely his best game of the season. But I, 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 I was pretty impressed with the big guy. I will talk about his inclusion into the lineup. A little bit later on, but I, I thought Stanley himself had a, a. I mean, that's what you want in terms of like putting him into the lineup, him being aggressive, jumping up into the play. He's actually like, you know, he kind of throws off the the arch- archetype of of who he's supposed to be. Like you think six seven stay at home defenseman, but he's like when he jumps into the play, that that's kind of his his bread and butter, and, and that's when I think he's at his most effective. I, I thought Big Stan had had himself a nice night too, and really the pretty much the entirety of the decor was 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 pretty good in that one. Yeah, I, th- I thought he played a pretty solid game. I mean, he does have that. He has a really good shot, and I mean, when you're six foot seven, it's a little bit easier to have a pretty good shot. But I mean, o- optically, the the McKinnon goal kind of stands out a little bit. I, I mean, it's it's kind of tough because he's like you mentioned, he's trying to push into the play there, but. You when you're a bigger defenseman like that, maybe you hope that you kind of you don't gap up as much. You kind of let get a little bit of cushion there because you're so on that maybe you can force a shot and get a deflection there. But when it's the when it's Nathan McKinnon coming at you, so it's, it's much easier said than done. So you kind of have to you give and give and take. Overall, he played a really solid game, and I I think you and I kind of have the same thinking on this. That I'll just kind of jump into that, but is this a showcase for Logan Stanley? Well, well I mean, if we're if we're gonna just ignore orders from the leader <laughs> here, and you're just gonna jump right in, I mean, I get, I guess we can, I guess we could just talk about that. It's your show, Tyson. Go ahead. <laughs> but I mean, you're you're hearing all these rumors about these big defensemen, and Vancouver just added Zadorov. You've heard the rumors about Tanev. Uh, Ritzalainen's been in the been in the news a little bit the last couple days but it seems like a lot of teams are really they're almost trying to get a jump start on these on these physical defensemen and just add that kind of imposing force to the lineup well, and i wonder if that's what they're maybe thinking. maybe they saw the zadarov price and they're like hey this, yeah. why don't we just do all of our moves in december now <laughs> right so yeah i i yeah i don't know 
I mean, I, yeah. So if we're gonna talk about the the shift in in, in the pairs and and who's on the ice and everything, I mean, the top four stayed the same for quite some time now. But Stanley officially, you know, comes into the lineup and and for the moment leapfrogs Chisholm and Nate Schmidt. And I mean, I hey, I'm I'm happy he played good, and I you know kind of started it all out there with the I thought he was really great in this game, but. You can't tell me the Jets are icing their best lineup with Logan Stanley in. Uh, the only thing that makes sense to me as to why he's been playing more recently is because teams have been calling Chevy and are like, we want to see the big guy in the lineup before we make a move. I, I don't know how true that is, but I, I just, I really can't understand what the other reasoning would be there because, you know, it's only a couple games, but I think Chisholm's outplayed him. And look, Nate Schmidt is overpaid at what he's making, but Schmidt's been good this year. <laughs> like there's, there really is no need to take him out of the lineup right now. If you're just going by how they look out there on the ice, Schmidt's been really, really dependable with Sandberg on the third pair for for most of the season here. But you know, I, I don't, I also don't think it's a coincidence. I know he's going to be a while away still, but that you know we see video of of Hainala skating and you know getting back into hockey drills and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden Chisholm and Stanley are getting back into the lineup a little bit more here. Like I I think, I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm not going to be shocked if before the new year, we, we, we see the jets make a trade. It's, it's not going to be one of significance. And I I wonder who it ultimately is going to be that pulls the trigger there, but I can definitely see a Logan Stanley move for a fourth or a fifth round pick trade coming at some point here in the near future. I mean, the, the logjam's already there to begin with, and with Villy getting closer and closer here, I mean, probably behooves Winnipeg here to make a move sooner than later. Yeah, and, and you're going to have to make a move too, right? And you look at the circumstances of Stanley coming back in, it's kind of didn't really make sense totally. Like you're running with, randomly rolling with 7D, and, and you're scratching one of the guys who's consistently been in the top six for the last couple, for the majority of the season. It was a, it's it's odd timing, but you, it, we knew this was coming. <laughs> We've been saying this since middle of the summer, and it's now you you have to make a move, and you're maybe you're not in the best position, but I also think there's some teams that are desperate enough out there that you can still get a reasonable return for a guy like Logan Stanley. And you mentioned a fourth or a fifth. I think that's really possible, and I wouldn't even be surprised to see a team who's kind of sees themselves as a top contender be like hey we're giving up a late third for this guy let's just do it so i yeah, i can maybe, I, yeah. I can see something like that happening yeah yeah i mean it's it, it's gonna be third i think is the ceiling for the trade fourth and a fifth is probably on the lower end so however that plays out i, I ultimately think that's what we're gonna see over the next little bit wait we'll keep an eye on it as the jets continue their road trip out west here you know you've got a bunch of games in a short amount of time here. So, I mean, there's an opportunity to get a bunch of these guys up and into the lineup. So we'll see if big stands last stand (laughs) and his performance against Colorado earns him another night or two in the lineup, or we might be seeing, Hey, anytime now might be Logan Stanley's last game as a member of the Winnipeg jets. But at the very least, if it is this one, he played pretty damn good and helped contribute to a four, two win over the Colorado Avalanche. So now the Jets will try to make it four straight dubs with a trip out to Cali. I mean, great opportunity here 
at least in the start, to pick up some. Um, I mean, not, not, there's not a whole lot of ground ahead of them with the the stars just appointed two ahead. But I mean, you get Anaheim, San Jose with a day in between those two. Grab grab those four points, and then whatever happens in LA on a Wednesday night, three and four, you could stomach a loss to the Kings if you grab the first two games out there in California. So we'll keep an eye on the Winnipeg Jets as they, uh, like we said, continue that road trip out there on the West Coast over the weekend. So we talked about the D-shuffle. Quickly, Tyson, do you know who leads the Manitoba Moose in scoring right now? Oh, yeah. Is that Nikita, is that your boy? Nikita Chivakov, baby. He is a stud. Let's talk a little prospects, and we'll wrap this one up in a couple minutes here. Uh, but prospect watch for the Manitoba or for the Winnipeg Jets, Manitoba Moose as well. I mean, Big Bad Brad's having himself a pretty solid season as a teenager in the AHL. But man, oh man, Chibrikov just he performs out there in Russia. He performs in the KHL against men. Now he's performing in the AHL against men. Like at some point here, we've got to acknowledge that hey, we got a steal in our hands and. I know McGrory and Barlow and some of these other prospects have some higher pedigree here. Tyson, at what point do we have to say Chibrikov might be this team's best forward prospect? Because he just lights it up every time he's out there on the ice. I, I think it's it's go time now. I, it's officially go time. I think he's leapfrogging to the, the top three of the Jets prospect pool, in my opinion. Ooh. He is... And even in the preseason and in training camp, he really impressed. Like almost everyone that that was at the skates in training camp were like, "Holy smokes!" Like he's he's not too far off already. And he showed that in the preseason too. I thought it, I, some games he was it wasn't ideal for him, but I thought that he showed that he does have the ability to be, in my opinion, a, sec, a second line player at least, a guy who could put up sixty points in in the NHL. He's just really, really skilled, and he he knows he's really good at utilizing his shot too. It's something that that I, I think Colby Barlow is really good at as well. But it's being able to get those shots. Like it's one thing to have an absolute cannon of a shot, and we look and just looking back at a guy who had a cannon of, of a shot that didn't really pan out a couple of years ago, Kiefer Bellows. Like everyone raved about his shot, but when he gets into game action, he's not able to get that shot off. But Chibrikov is just on a different level. And, and I think we're even seeing like with Brad Lambert's having a decent season point scoring wise, I believe he's got 14 and 18, but it's Chibrikov that's carrying the line. That's carrying the moose right now. That's what, it, that's just how it is. It's just, it's, uh, there you go. Tyson's it's just how it is. According <laughs> to Tyson. Um, yeah, I, I did. I did misspeak there. I, I said, he tore up the KHL. He had two points in 30 games his last year there. So I mean, I, <laughs> That's a that's a Brandon Rewicki stat line. I don't know if we can we can classify that as as tearing up a league, but yeah, he's been really really impressive. I mean, maybe, maybe he's Winnipeg's Marsh or so, right? Like you you never know what what this what this kid. I I just think it's time to stop doubting him, and we got to give we got to give the young man a little bit of credit here because he's having himself a wild wild year for the Moose so far. But I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't sleep on Brad Lambert either, you know, and, and doing it. At, at different positions he's shown the ability to play center at the very least like only a couple points back that's that's some really really promising stuff there and i mean it's going to make for some interesting 
I guess roster building and camp battles next year. I know the cap's going up and everything like that, Tice, but I mean, ooh, if Lambert at 19 is, you know, point of game in the AHL, it's, it's going to be tough to keep him away from the Jets too, too much longer. And then, yeah, if, if Chibrikov maybe even takes another step, I, I, I don't know. The uh, future's looking pretty damn bright right now for Winnipeg. And hey, even, you know, obviously injuries are playing a part for Chaz Lucius once again. You know, he's only missed six games out of 18 so far this year, but he's got himself nine points in 12 games. And that's not even bringing up McGrory and Barlow, who, I mean, McGrory unfortunately suffered that injury, but at the very least getting the the call to Team USA's training camp. So, I mean, if he's in, he's going to be in the top six for USA, the favorites in the World Juniors, and, and might even be the captain for the team as well. Um he was, ha- he was having a really good season, too, yeah. up, up until the injury. And we'll see if Colby Barlow makes Team Canada. He's not a shoe-in. Probably should be. <laughs> I know Team Canada at these tournaments, they, they love, hey, let's get a fourth line of grinders out there. We'll grind them down. And then it's, oh, my gosh, we can't score goals. Yeah, well, because you didn't take a freaking 40-goal score in the <laughs> OHL as a 17-year-old. Like, I, I don't know. That's just me, though. That's just me. Like, when I when I build a hockey team, I like to have guys that put the puck of the net in my lineup. So we'll see if Canada smartens up and Barlow is able to find his way onto the team there. Um, but yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. But either way, through the first quarter, third of the season so far, pretty promising stuff from the Jets' future there. Not even counting uh, Tyson's other boy, Elias Salomonson, who will be at the World Juniors as well. So we'll see what... Uh, the young blue liner can do at the tournament coming up in a couple weeks time. Not all that far away from it. Uh, but that's where we'll cap the episode here. And let's head into the weekend. We'll call it a night. We'll call it an episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll get back at it Tuesday morning, breaking down the Jets matchup Sunday against Anaheim and looking ahead the games against San Jose and LA. Until then, though, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe and have a great time, everybody. We'll talk to you Tuesday morning. Peace.